jump up, jump up, and get down. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the MMA edition as we shoot for the double leg and pound you into submission with another lethal dose of that unmistakable, unforgettable, unbreakable performance-enhancing audio. Yes, the Brian Campbell, the voice that you hear fired up, ready for another week of combat audio with the one, the only, King Mo Muhammad Lawal, the Bellator money weight champion. King Mo's a tough son of a bet. That guy's all right with me. All right with me, indeed. The great King Mo will join me once again this week as we get you psyched, ready, set up, prepared for all things UFC 230 this Saturday. Madison Square Garden, New York, Daniel Cormier, Derek Lewis atop the card for the heavyweight championship of the world. Some really good middleweight fights on the undercard underneath. No, it may not be the MSG UFC card that you want, the one from the last two years, but it ain't that bad, and we're going to tell you why. We've also got plenty of reactions to this Ben Askren, Demetrius Johnson trade between UFC and one championship in Asia, which has rocked the MMA world. Is this a real trade? Could this happen again? What's the fallout for Johnson, Askren, and many others? King Mo, your boy, will join me to to sweep it up, to, to knock it down to to all things. Come on, King Mo's fired up. He's gonna, I'm about to tag this guy in. Come on, King <laughs> Mo. Come on, man. You got to come on. You got to come on, man. Right there, he's about to come in. But look, we're back. We're better than ever. We're excited. Trust me about that. I back. Trust me. I back. We got the engine revving up. I mean, oh yeah. Oh, come on, come on. We're we're ready to bring it. We're gonna go after your chin, deteriorate you, get you just knocked out with some great stuff coming your way. His chin is deteriorating. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Enough of the enough of the ridiculous nonsense. Hey, look. If you like the show, if you like what you hear. You already know what to do. See something, say something. Talking about that five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume fine audio. Hey, leave a little message. Put it, put it into words. Who do you want to hear on this show? What you like? You a big King Mo fan? All those things indeed. Hey, we got all the news, analysis, reactions, previews, like I mentioned, coming your way very, very shortly. Um, I got nothing else to sell you. But just to say, please check out our other offerings from In This Corner, whether it be boxing, pro wrestling. This is your audio combat home. You want to get comfortable, put your stuff down, get tucked in under those sheets, put on the headphones. It's time. It's time to go at it. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever makes you comfortable. You're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Look, if that's what makes you comfortable, that's fine. Just get plugged in, get ready. It's time to do the damage with the one and only king. Here we go. Let's do it. Enjoy. Oh yeah, we're right back at you. Another week in combat sports audio, mixed martial arts, BC, your boy, King Mo Muhammad Lawal, the Bellator Moneyweight champion king how is it my man man all is well man everything's good out here what's up with you man oh i'm i'm a i'm a, I'm a busy man i'm bouncing between <laughs> all three fight sports boxing i got wwe women's pay-per-view last night i'm i'm rolling out of bed and ready to talk <laughs> mma though everything from ufc 230 this saturday at msg to uh mma trades to so much going on but king mo 
We always get a little update about camp life. And let's remind the people, December 15th, get into zone. King Mo returns to the Bellator cage in Honolulu, Hawaii, of all places. Correct? That's that's the correct yeah. site? Honolulu, Hawaii. Liam McGrady. You're going to run back this loss to Bader like it never happened, King Mo, right? Yeah, you know, I'm fighting uh, Liam McGeary, jiu-jitsu, tall guy specialist. I'm going to go out there and handle business December 15th on the zone. Yes, cash them checks, right? Yep. We got any updates on the King Mo math problems here? We know that uh, hands plus wrestling equals a problem. That's going to be the same equation that Liam McGrady's going to face in this fight? Yeah, and there's some other things that I can't reveal, but y'all, y'all, you're going to see them. All right, all it's gonna right. be, I can't reveal stuff I've been working on, but didn't have a chance to show it uh, last fight because it ended so quick, but I will have a chance to show it for this fight right here. I like to see King Mo go out there and, and, and choke a sucker. I mean, you got you got any submission <laughs> wins in your game? Right? You... Nah, no submission. I've got I submission people practice, but not no fights. All right. Well, I, that matter you to know, you? You want to get one of those before it's all said and done? That don't matter to me. Just get the wins. Yeah, That's how it matters. Get the wins. Get yep. ready for the next one. Uh, before we hit it hard on the MMA scene, anything wrestling, boxing, culture, lifestyle, what's going on with you? Anything get, catching your fancy lately? What are you into? What's happening? Uh, pretty, I'm pretty interested to see what they're going to do with the whole Charlo, the Charlo brothers thing, who, the, who they're going to fight if they win their fights. Interesting seeing what happens to Adrian Broner and uh, Pacquiao, the whole zone, HBO Showtime landscape. And, you know, it, it, it's right now is like a, um, a period and we got to see what's going to happen come, come, come winter with everything. We got to see what's going to happen with John Jones and will he be able to pass the test leading up to that? Will he be, will he be injury free? Will Gustafson stay injury free and keep yeah. that card straight? You know, a lot of things like what happens if, say, Daniel gets injured beating uh, um, Lewis, will he fight? Will he, will he face Brock still? Or will John Jones take the Brock fight if it looks, looks spectacular beating, um, Gustafson? There's a lot of things, a lot of hypotheticals. All you can do is sit back and just, um, see how things fall in place. You, would you be fired up for this, uh, Errol Spence Jr. Mikey Garcia pay-per-view for the welterweight title? That seems to be on, on the verge of being official. I know I heard, but I just, I just don't know because I heard a few months back that, um, Mikey Garcia was, you know, kind of looking past, not looking to fight um, Errol Spence no more and was trying to push to get, you know, a different fight, like maybe the Lomachenko fight or something else. But uh, I don't know, man. That's a tough fight for uh, Mikey Garcia. No doubt. That's that, a tough fight. That's Ooh. a dare-to-be-great moment right there. Yep, that's, uh, yep. Wow, a lot of good stuff in combat sports. You already yeah. know I'm fired up for that December 1st Showtime pay-per-view heavyweight boxing. Tyson yep. Fury, Deontay Wilder. We had a little crossing of the streams this week. Did you happen to catch that hour-long interview when Tyson Fury sat down with Joe Rogan on his MMA podcast? No, I heard about it, but I haven't, I haven't caught it yet. But yeah, I heard good it pretty stuff. good. Good stuff about, you know, Fury's... Look, Fury doesn't get the credit, King Mo. In, in an era in 2018 when we're very woke on mental health, you know, Moro Ronaldo's documentary on Showtime was a, was a big yeah. thing, the bipolar rock and roller. Uh, Fury doesn't get credit for the comeback he's making, probably because he's such a trash talker and, you know what I mean? But like, the guy was on top of the world, then blew up like 200 pounds and started, you know, blowing coke every day and, Look, he's he's back up and another chance to to climb that mountain again. It's a, it's a it's a good there's a good story in there, King Mo. Yeah, honestly, both stories are great stories. Him and Deontay Wilder. So, like the winners, the winner can have an even greater story. And then 
they'll take that story to face Anthony Joshua. They, I, all three fighters are very marketable, and all three fighters have a chance to make a lot of money and have a chance to do some great things in the history of boxing. Don't sleep on my guy. You, you, you up on this guy, Alexander Usyk, the undisputed cruiserweight champion? Who's yeah, up? but I, I don't see Usyk doing anything at, at, at like, That's at what I was going to ask you. He's fighting Tony Bellew in a couple of weeks, but the, the whole idea is that he would move up to heavyweight and maybe he's that Swiss army knife that could give all those giants a major problem. He is 6'3", though, King Moa, Southpaw. He can box. He can do some stuff. He's 6'3", Southpaw. I don't, I don't know what he's going to do if he were to face a guy like, uh, Louis Ortiz, or a guy like Dylan White, uh, Andrew Ruiz. I, I don't know. I, I think it might be too small for the new um, trend of heavyweights. But at the same time, he might be able to upset some. But guys like Joshua and Deontay Wilder might be just too much for him. Yeah, Usyk does not have top-level power, not even for a cruiserweight. But, he, hey, no. he came up with Lomachenko. He's very, very... Skilled. Slippery, yeah. skilled, all of those things. But King Mo, people come here for the MMA. They want the combat talk. We got a lot to get into. Uh, there was a little bit of business over the weekend in Mockton. Is that Nova Scotia? What, what the heck's going on when UFC's going to, uh, what's province? Uh, New Brunswick. I'm sorry. Mockton, New Brunswick. It did happen Saturday night. Hey, it wasn't that bad. There were some things to talk about. We didn't end up getting Artem Lobov against uh, Habib's boy in another uh, to continue to continue that rivalry, but we did get in the main event light heavyweights. Anthony Smith rallied after absorbing uh, so, some pretty stiff leg kicks from Volkan Ozdemir for a couple rounds. Rallies for a third round submission, rear naked choke, and then suddenly he's yelling into the microphone, "Hey, Dana White." My name is Anthony Smith, and I want a title shot. Whoa, title shot. Hey, the guy's red hot. King Mo, we talk about good stories. The 30-year-old from Texas, this guy's got 13 losses yet. He's looking like a world beater going through Rashad Evans, going through Shogun Hua. Now, Vulcan, are you entertained? Are you impressed? Is this guy a real title contender? Well, he's following the trends of fighters that have moved up and had success. And he's one of them, you know. Um, give him one more fight. Let's see him fight. Um, uh, or I'm, well, I don't know who else there is. He might, he might be the might be the one to get a title shot. Uh, let me think. It's a thin division. Up. We know that. Yeah. It's a very thin division at the moment. Uh, he can fight maybe Glover to Sheriff, but but he come up a lot. Well, Glover, Glover or um, Serkinov, Misha. Misha had a win uh, on yeah. Saturday night for sure yeah. and looked good yeah. doing it. Didn't he defeat uh, Sabrina, Pat Cummins, Pat Cummins, a former barista who once got that shot at Cormier? It was a uh, early first-round arm triangle choke. I think that they're going to fast-track Anthony Smith. He's, he's He can talk. He can fight. Good luck. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on to him. But you talked about that turnaround, former middleweight. I mean, it's not that it's unusual in MMA to, let's say, accept, you know, put some losses together. I mean, guys have losses. Chell Sonnen, Randy Couture, they got double-digit losses. That's not the thing, but to be 30 years old and be talking about as this young, bright prospect, yet the guy's got 13 losses. I mean, sometimes you're learning on the job, King Mo. Sometimes you're, you know, I mean, Anthony Smith has had periods of four straight defeats early in his career, but guy's been grinding for a while. He's not new to the sport. I mean, he turned pro in 2008. Yeah, um... I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna come down to what the UFC wants to do. If they feel like they can make money off of him, um, they could they could they could enhance the story by talking about his losses prior to the UFC and 
how he how to work hard to get to where he got. And that and that's a feel good story. That's a Cinderella story right there. So uh it depends on how they spin it. How they spin the story. If they can spin it the right way, they can make they can make it they can make him a star. But that's if they do that. They tend to not do that sometimes. Now that is your division, or well, you, you'll fight anywhere. You'll fight. You'll fight where the check cashes. You're not afraid of anybody. But you're a 205 guy, Anthony Smith. What are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? What do you see in here in, in this evolution into a, like we said, sort of a sneaky title contender now? Uh, you know, I see the decent size frame, durable, tough, composed. He had experience. He could punch. He's pretty much well rounded everywhere. I just, I just haven't seen him face like a. Like he faced Rashad, but I, I like to see him face Rashad in his prime. But you know, um, he's he's getting those wins right now, so that's all that matters. All that matters is what you do right now, not yesterday, but right now. And he's right now he's winning. And we talked about the rankings. Look, there's a lot of retreads in there. There's a lot of Latifi, Manuas, Jan Blachowicz. I always get that guy's name. I always butcher that guy's name. Look, Corey Anderson. There's a lot of guys. What I'm saying in the top ten who aren't necessarily peaking upwards. you got Dom Reyes, who's on the way up, but this could be a good time for Anthony Smith if he can right place, right time, get in there for a title shot, although, of course, we'll see Jones Gustafson, too, at the end of December. And, yeah, and I, 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 probably, I wouldn't be surprised to see Latifi face uh, um, Anthony Smith. That, that, that'd be a good test. That'd yeah. be a good test of where he is. Latifi's a tough yeah. dude. He'll, he'll yeah. go in there and... Uh, Hey, you, if you can stop Latifi, that, that, that's sort of a statement right there. Uh, King Bowen, that co-main... Former welterweight Michael Johnson took on Artem Lobov. Johnson coming in last minute opponent, uh, missed weight, but Lobov said, look, I'll give you the money back. I'm not going to charge you for that. I appreciate you taking the fight last minute. Notice a lot of respect here, but this was three fairly dominant rounds for Michael Johnson, unanimous decision. And it sparked all the boo birds of basically saying, hey, Artem Lobov, you're only in this spot because you're Connor's boy. You're 32 years old and your career record is now 13, 15, and 1. Good win for Michael Johnson. We gonna, we gonna give this credit or we're gonna crap on Lobov. What do we do, what do we do with this equation, King Mo? Well, I never thought, well, I, I really know much about Lobov. I give him credit. He could have done a fight. But, uh, Michael Johnson's faced opponents, you know, way, you know, way more, um, like higher level opponents, you know, high, more, well, well, you know, opponents that have a bigger name. He's seen those guys, so um, I guess the fight with Artem Lobov was a good solid win at featherweight. So yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give him, I'm gonna give him credit for that. Lobov you know, two and five since yeah. joining the UFC, but I mean I know he gives Connor some good camps, but I mean this guy's had a couple main event slots too. I mean whatever, whatever. Habib slapped him. It's all good. I just, I don't think Lobov's long for contending at this level, but Johnson has what he needs is wins. Look, he had that run where he lost. Essentially five out of six, all against mostly big names, though. You know, that lost to Nate Diaz, Habib, Justin Gaethje, et cetera. But if he can reinvent himself at 145, he's certainly a name. He's certainly talented and dangerous. Uh, do you see that being a, a, a weight that's going to be hard for him to consistently hit, though, now that he's in the second half of his career? Uh, it depends if they know when, if he can, if he can get a date and start to stay in shape like he normally does and get, not blow up in between fights. He'll be ready. You know, um, this last fight, he took on short notice, so he might have been a little heavier than normal. But now that he knows that, hey, on short notice, I can take fights, and I came close to making weight, how about this? How about I stay in shape, you know, and keep my weight low all year round and 
you know, if there's a, if a short, if a short nose opportunity pops up, I'll be, I'll be able to take it and make weight, not get fined. You know, Johnson has talked about this, uh, transformation, two wins in a row, trying to stem the tide. He said he, in the past, he just got there looking for the knockout. He's being much more patient. Hey, you gotta, you gotta make those changes, King Mo. You can't yeah. just be a headhunter in this game. Come on. Well, you, you can be a headhunter, but you can expect a short career. That's, that's a fair point. Uh, that's, you know, not much more to report from that Mockton card. Did a little bit of business. We will roll on from there. What I really want to talk about today, King Mo, is this story that came out of left field last week, then materialized a couple days later after ESPN's Ariel Hawani broke it. We have a trade, something we never thought was possible. Look, MMA is different from team sports where all the teams are under the same league. Trades are possible. This is now trades between competing MMA promotions, and it was fairly big news Ben Askren, former 1FC welterweight champion who recently retired after his December win, saying essentially he would only come back to the sport for one of these big UFC crossover GSP-type fights, gets released from his one deal so that he can sign with UFC while simultaneously fly former flyweight champion, one of the pound-for-pound best in history, Demetrius Johnson, has the same done to him so that he can head to 1FC in Asia. Wow! King Mo, this is a wow thing because, I mean, I don't expect to wake up the next morning and be like, Bellator traded King Mo for John Jones. Like, this, this is not stuff that you, you, you think can happen. Not to mention this long history of, is Askren going to be that bridesmaid who never gets a chance to actually test himself? Suddenly we're getting what we want here, but there's a lot of weird elements to it. What was your reaction? You're on the inside. You're a fighter. You afraid you're going to wake up tomorrow and, uh, end up in, uh, bow dog fight? What's going on here? No, I, I thought nothing of it because, for one, remember, in MMA, we're independent contractors, so we can't be traded. So once I heard it trade, trade, I was like, these people are tripping. I'm like, <laughs> let, let, let them release on Mighty Mouse and let Ben Askers release. And what's going to happen is once the release happens, then they can talk to the other organization. And I was like, I was thinking to myself, too, I was like, hmm, who's Mighty Mouse's manager? I think it might be Matt Hume. Who's his coach as well? Who also is the matchmaker at WinFC? Yeah, that's a key part of this whole deal. I'm like, of course, that's, that's genius. So, okay, well, Matt Hume, talk to Ben Askren, grant him release, UFC, give his client, his fighter, a release, boom, then that's it. And it's really not a trade. It's just uh, both fighters got releases, and now they're they're now they're open to talk to the other organization. That's what it comes down to. And I feel weird because, you know, I, Mighty Mouse, who's the champion and who's the man and who's like pretty, pretty much a, a rocking UFC Hall of Famer, to, for the UFC to let him go to sign Ben Askren is weird to me because why wouldn't they just go pick up Ben Askren and leave Mighty Mouse there? Yeah, there's a lot of weird elements to this. So I like how you sort of broke that down, basically saying, hey, we kind of got played by the headlines on here. Like it's not really a trade. You really can't trade. You can't just do this. But there are a lot of weird wrinkles to it. The whole fact that, like, does this mean UFC is going to shut down the flyweight division? Look, this is something Dana White has in a public trash talk war with Demetrius Johnson one year ago. Most recently was like, yeah, you keep up talking, Demetrius. I'll just shut down this damn division. We know Dana White doesn't necessarily love flyweights. We know he does not love Demetrius Johnson. Johnson's just 32. This loss to... uh 
to Cejudo for the title. Look, Johnson suffered two injuries in that fight. Wasn't really at his best. And I thought he still beat Cejudo. Close fight. Good fight. But I don't think Cejudo was the clear winner. Now to see him just jump and UFC essentially be pushing him out the door. It's all really interesting, Mo. Do you think this ends the 125 future? Would they just shut down a division? Because if they're going to shut that down, hey, shut down that women's featherweight division that you never did anything with, too. And I can't do that. They're going to keep it going. And I'll tell you why. Mighty Mouse is so much, is, is like, he's so much on a different level than the rest of the guys. And he makes the rest of the guys look average. And he makes the, with the fights of 125, they're pretty good fights, but he makes them all seem boring from the way he just beats guys easily. You know, like, you know, like, you know, he beats guys so easy that people are like, you know what, 125, I'm not going to watch it. And seriously, they put, they put, they put the whole stigma just, uh, they watch Mighty Mouse win, and they're like, okay, all the 125 pounds just fight that same way. I'm not watching it. Straight up. You know what I'm saying? Like, think about it. Um, the Hands of Stone, uh, uh, I forgot his name. I call him the, um, he's the modern day, uh, Robert Durant. It's 125 pounds. He barely makes weight. He Henry throws a No, no, no. He's a, he's a 135 pounder right now, but he can never make 125. We're I'm John Lineker. Lineker. Oh, Lineker. Lineker. So Lineker. Lineker. He, he barely made 125, but he was a, a explosive. He had a heavy punch, but everyone just discounted him because he had seen too many heavy punches at 125. And they all threw the negative blanket on 125 by saying, uh, it's going to grapple, scramble, f- combos with no power. But it's going three to five rounds. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to watch it. And they threw that. But now let's, let's get rid of Mighty Mouse, get a bunch of strikers in there, different strikers. You got Cejudo who can wrestle, but he'll strike as well. Now you, I think this, the landscape's looking a little different. It's it's more more leveled out now. So you got Mighty Mouse. That's so Mighty Mouse, you had him, and then everybody else below. Now you just have he's gone, so everybody else is like kind of at the same level. So now the the race to the top will be more competitive. I wonder though if they do fold the division only because they seem headed toward a Cejudo TJ Dillashaw super fight, title for title type fight. That's some of the rumblings you hear, but. Man, this is just crazy that they're willing to let him go. But, like, for Johnson, like, if there's a winner in this quote-unquote trade, the biggest winner is probably Demetrius Johnson from this standpoint. 32. Already cleaned out his division, like, twice over. The only real fights outside of going back in a trilogy and beating Cejudo, and by the way, I think he would if he was completely healthy, was to move up to Bantamweight and do these dare-to-be-great fights against, you know, Dominic Cruz, Dillashaw, Garbrandt, whatever. It never seemed like Johnson wanted to do that unless he was getting paid legitimate money. He feels like for all of his fame and accomplishments, he has never been paid or treated like a real star with UFC. So now he's pulling in Eddie Alvarez, meaning, yes, he's in the second half of his career, but still close enough to his prime, yet he's putting his financial foot forward, going to an organization in one that's got money, that's willing to push him as their star, probably going to face softer matchmaking and will probably get paid more than he ever has in his career. Johnson, who's been coming out in the media since this quote-unquote trade happened and saying, I never liked the culture in UFC or in North American MMA where it's all about trash talking and disrespect. Now I feel like I'm going somewhere where it's just all about the, you know, the spirit of the game. For who DJ actually is, it's like he could retire and walk off now and already you know his, his legacy is set. This is all gravy. This is all bonus money to him, it feels like. Well, for, for him, it's more than bonus, but it's a peace of mind. You know, here's the money. The money's already there, but it's a peace of mind now. And I can go out there, enjoy what I do, 
enjoy doing what he wants to do, not have to conform and be like you know, the rest to make money. You know what I'm saying? Because now I got to the point where to make money, you have to talk trash pretty much, especially in the, in the UFC. And he wasn't going to follow that suit. He's going to um, follow his own path and uh, just do what he had to do. And uh, you see Matt Hume, the guys that train Matt Hume aren't about trash talk. They're about honor, respect, combat. Bushido. 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 Pretty much Bushido. And, you know, I don't, you know, my hat's off to him. You know, he's, doing, he's doing it his way. Like Bernard Hopkins said, he's doing things his, his way. Uh, why, dude, we're going to get all into the asking part in five seconds, but just to pause right here, like, Demetrius Johnson is, you know, still a pound for pound elite guy. Like, yeah. just one loss in almost like the last decade. It's crazy that you, like, we know the inner workings. We know him and Dana never saw eye to eye. Dana doesn't see him as a financially viable guy, but it's just crazy that they just traded this guy. It's well, just- you know, so, well, you're supposed to be crazier to see how the media within the next six months, say a month, the media is going to forget about him. And, Somehow, miraculously, he'll be taken off the pound for pound list. You'll see all, all the, like, you know, with him, when he's in the UFC, the UFC kind of gave him, like, some credit now, you know what I'm saying? Him being the UFC, but now with him leaving the UFC, you're going to see him, like, fall out of the pound for pound rankings. You're going to see a lot of weird stuff happen because he's not aligned with the UFC no more. Wild, wild. All right. The, the, from the UFC standpoint, it's crazy news getting Ben Askren because here's a, a, Former welterweight champion in two different divisions. You know, we know his accolades as a collegiate wrestler at Missouri, four-time national finalist, two-time NCAA champion. Uh, has been dominant in MMA uh, with the funky wrestling style, just keeping guys on the ground, riding people's backs, slapping them in the face. I mean, doing what he wants to do, but he was that guy. Now he's 34 years old. We always said, you know, what would happen if he did face the very elite welterweights? Could he be a top pound-for-pound guy? Is he the best welterweight in the world? We'll finally apparently get that chance now. And this is why this whole element of a trade is weird because, like, he wasn't even an active one fighter. He had basically said, I'm retiring and looking for a big fight. So that's why, you know, if there's a winner, again, it's DJ. Then it's one championships because they didn't have really have been asking anyway. But the bigger news for American MMA fans is that we have a new player in this welterweight scene. And even though the disrespect between Dana White and Ben Askren seemed to start from that 2012 uh, Twitter exchange, that famous one, where Dana White called Ben Askren the, the most boring fighter in MMA history. They had a little back and forth, and then it seemed like Askren was persona non grata for UFC. Even a year later when his Bellator deal was up, and he ended up going to 1FC, thought he was going to go to the UFC, and Dana White basically gave him the middle finger. It's crazy to think that we're back to this point now under new ownership where UFC and Dana White's like, yeah, sure, come on in. Because Askren's a wild card. And I think we're seeing since this deal went down, King Mo, that he has much larger potential to sell in this modern era where trash talk is currency than any of us ever thought. He had a stigma of being boring in the cage, even though I never thought that was true because his style of wrestling and his swagger are fun. But did you see the trash talk war he's already started with every welterweight on the planet on Twitter? I know you can say whatever you want about that, but that's fun. That's marketable. We got a new player on the scene. This could get really fun. I'm, I can't believe we're here. Dana doesn't bend like this. When he hates a guy, he hates you for life. Josh Gross, never going to be octagon side again for a fight. When Dana White hates you, you're done. What happened here? What changed? Well, what changed is I think that um, a few things. The UFC needs new players. And 
Two, I think that Ben Askren is he's an enigma in a sense. He has, he, he, tra- he can talk trash, and he's a style that people people accepted Habib style. So they, they should say, they should accept Ben Askren style. It's not much different. Except Habib those shots his shots a little more stronger on top. That's about it. Um, and I, I think another thing is the UFC needs they need new stars. They, you know, um, Kobe Covington has talked all that trash and said what he had to say. And if you think about it, it really hasn't gotten that far like it should. If that was like if if the same stuff if Chael or or Tio or anybody else has said the same stuff in the past, it will it will you know got more buzz. But for some reason, I don't think I don't think Kobe is that believable as a bad guy. No, no. He, it, it always feels like he's going through the motions that he's faking it where Askren, I mean, he might be the hero that we need because King Mo, he went after everyone with the exception of Tyron Woodley, went after everyone on Twitter from GSP to Connor to Habib to Colby to seriously insert name with hilarious attacks. And I want to see him fight all those guys and like, it's weird when you fall out of line with Dana White. Like, they could have used him. In 2013, they could have signed Askren and done some things with him. But I'm glad to see him finally get the chance. It being away well, is well, almost... Actually, I'm going to be honest with you, 2013 would have been a bad time to sign him. Because in 2013, I believe that's when they had Fitch, they had Shields, they had guys that saw them being booed. But now, Habib has the same style, but he's being cheered for that style. That's a fair point. And I was so, going to say the time away for Askren almost added to his legend, right? It's almost like because we never got to see him against the very, very best, he it almost built it, puffed him up even higher of what would it look like, you know, if he finally fought. But if he's going to be able to trash talk like this, and this that's his personality. He's always had that personality of like a, a cocky dude that just doesn't care. Man, we could get some fun builds, and it comes down to can you back it up in the cage? I feel like his style is is going to be a problem. Do you see this guy being able to put together wins? Can he go on a run here? Uh, he can. I think it's going to turn on the matchup, and if, if he's injured or not, if he has no, if he's injury free, he's going to do some things. But if he has some injuries, and the UFC hears about it, knows about any injuries, they'll find a way to match him up with guys that will, um, they'll give him a hard time. Now, the the big knock on Askren is always going to be, well, he's he's completely wrestling heavy. He doesn't have a striking game. And there's been other guys, by the way, you know, Damian Maya's Habib, who are you know heavily leaning toward one 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 strength in their game and have to cover up for that weakness. When it comes to Askren's weakness, is it going to be a problem in the UFC? We'll find out. No one knows. No one knows like how, how well his strengths will be. We're going to find out. We will find out. I mean, is it, would you call his striking remedial or just, it's just not up to the part of his wrestling? I, I don't know because really like, you know, like it, he, as soon as stuff lands, if it's not remedial, then if, it, if his striking was that remedial, then he should never get a takedown. Because you have to use his hands to set up the takedowns. You just can't go out there and shoot without punching. You have to show something. So, obviously, if Ben Askren is wrestling with such a problem, and everyone's worried his striking was so terrible, people would fight him with, his, with their hands down, but they don't. That's a fair point. So, uh, Tyron Woodley, the welterweight champion I mentioned, he's sort of the only guy who didn't get called out in this attack by Askren, came out and did an Instagram Live video. And we have to remember that him and Askren were collegiate teammates at Missouri. They've been campmates for many years, know each other for 15 years. Well, Woodley came out, said he's really happy for his homie Askren, and said GSP would never stand a chance against Ben. 
Ben thrives against guys' offensive onslaughts, and GSP's whole thing was always timing. King Mo, do you agree with Tyron Woodley that if they made a GSP Ben Askren, Ben Askren welterweight summit, that the old man would, that we'd, uh, that at the end of the day we'd say, hey GSP. I'm not impressed by your performance. You like Askren in that? Like you agree with Woodley? Uh, it'd be a tough one. It'd be tough because the thing is that Askren has, an, I mean, Askren has good wrestling, but how's his, how's his striking defense? Because we don't, because GSP doesn't have to go shoot, don't have to shoot takedowns. He can just stick and move, you know, with a jab or straight punches. You know what I'm saying? Who knows? Or would Ben Askren be able, would Ben Askren be able to rock him down with some behind a jab and shoot on him? We don't know until the matchup gets made. Well, you know? Woodley also came out and said, Habib is a G. But Habib ain't never fought nobody like Ben. He never fought anybody like Ben. He never fought anybody like Michael Chandler. Those guys would wreck him on life. Wow. This just teammate puffing up a teammate? Or if they did some kind of summit at 165, because Askren can't make lightweight, but if they did some kind of creative fight here and you matched the ultimate wrestler Habib against the ultimate wrestler Ben Askren, Woodley likes his boy. Man, I'd like to see that, King Mo. Yeah, I, I would really see, I'd really see, um, Habib versus, uh, Chandler first. You know what I'm saying? In the same weight class. But I, I don't know. I really don't, I, I think Willie's saying that because they're, they're teammates. But Habib is, you know, um, pretty impressive and he don't get tired. That's one thing. And that's one thing that, um, that Chandler has a problem with is fatigue. Do you get the feeling we wouldn't see a Woodley Askren fight? Like, are we getting a little too overexcited when the reality is Woodley's the welterweight champion and he's been dominating everybody and Askren and him are longtime teammates and boys? Could we see that fight? I mean, you don't, they don't, people don't always cross those streams. We saw it with, uh, John Jones and Rashad Evans, of course, when their friendship fell apart. But what, what are you thinking? What are you thinking here? This ties into the whole idea of your UFC. How do you use this new toy? How do you set up the matches? Could we see Woodley Askren? Should we, King Mo? I doubt it. If I were asked, if I were Woodley, I'd try to fight Anson Silva. But that's me. You know, cause he knows that he needs wow. a, he needs a, he needs a big fight when 70. That's George creative. Gonna fight him. That's creative, yeah, George, King Mo. Cause George, George ain't gonna fight Anderson, but Woodley can. Willie can go up by Anderson. He beats him. Guess what? That's the fight that he needs, and he can step away from the game. I never even thought of that. Remember we were talking about Connor potentially against Anderson Silva in some kind of dream weird fight that they both want. Woodley to take the take that ghost. That'd be that'd be a big move right there. All right, then let me let me put them at. Let's say you're uh, your former matchmaker Joe Silva here. You're 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 uh, what's what's the new UFC matchmaker's name? Sean. Mick Maynard. Mick Maynard. Mick uh, Maynard and, and uh, uh, Sean Shelby. And Sean Sh- Shelby. That's right. Uh, I'm putting you in their job right now. What's Ben Askren's UFC debut? What do you got for me? What are you doing? Wonder Boy. Ooh, ooh, that's a, that's. There's nothing easy about that for for either guy. There's nothing easy about it, but at the same time, everyone everyone who I know, well, we know Ben Askren's a good wrestler. How will he do against a good stri- a guy that can move? He's a striker. Wow. Wow. And then if, if he gets past him, Wonder Boy, then I have a fight maybe like a Masvidal or or Usman. Masvidal, well, Usman, and then after that. If he wins that, then just give him a title shot. I urge Over everybody, if they haven't, to go to Askren's Twitter, at Ben Askren, and really just uh, watch this run of calling people out. I mean, this has been some of the uh, most effective communication, King Mo. Just going out there and just uh, and just coming at people. By the way, just saying this, yesterday, which is Sunday, Habib manager Ali Abdelaziz 
tweeted out, we will blow your mind. Big news coming at Team Habib. Askren retweeted this. We're not setting up for Habib Askren right now, right? This is not happening, right? Uh, I don't know. You never know. But uh, well, but the thing is, if they have Habib Askren right now, what happens to Tony Ferguson? Yeah, there's a lot of people in line. By the way, I'm just going to reiterate what I said last week. I keep saying, dear UFC, make Habib GSP right now. F everything else. Guess what? You have a chance to use GSP's rub to make Habib a real star if Habib wins that. Like, nah, make it right do, do, now. Now, nah, do, do Habib Ferguson so he can so he, so he get, get, that, get, get that other – and then get the other guy off the record. Then, then, then look to see what, what else is out there because the GSP fight's a good fight. But at the same time, GSP's coming off the, the, the verticulitis thing, re, relinquishing the belt, ain't had a fight in a while. If Khabib goes out there and wins a fight that's boring, people are gonna be like, oh my god, well, George was dead, was, was done anyway. And they have every excuse. At least, at least give a George, give George one fight and look good again. Look good I in. just feel like it's a, no lose for UFC. Now you did, you did just bring up a p- potential where it could be a lose if Habib wins boring, but my point is, it doesn't seem like Dana White wants to play the GSP game of giving him every chance to finish his legacy the way he wants to. But if you make him take it now, look, worst case scenario, GSP wins and now you have the first ever three division champion and you can just puff up his bag and be like, look, GSP's our guy and guess what? If he gives us the title, who cares? Cause then you can have Habib and Tony fight for it or Connor and Nate or whatever. I'm saying there's so much business at 55. I'd just like to see that. But this was an Askren conversation. And, man, King Mo, never would have thought we were here. Dana White was on the UFC Unfiltered podcast uh, last month, and he had said that Askren tweeted him out of nowhere. I'm sorry, texted him out of nowhere and was like, hey, what are the odds that we can make this happen? And Dana was willing to take the call. That's interesting. It's Very, very interesting. Askren, by the way, King Mo. We're talking about potential matches. He's called out both Diaz brothers in very hilarious ways with tweets. Um, yeah, I'd do that. I'd do that right now. You don't, we can't get Nick or Nate into the cage. How about as your debut, Ben Askren, Nick Diaz? You can't hate that. You can't hate that, King. No, no, but, but the thing is like, that's what they put Askren in fights that are meaningful and fights that were, cause the thing is he can, he can make some fights. Some guys look so bad that people look, lose interest. Like Koreshkov, the last fight with Koreshkov versus Ben Askren was so bad and was so dominant. It was so Ben Askren dominant so bad that people people kind of lost interest in uh, Koreshkov for a little bit. They're like, uh, I don't know if I want to watch him fight no more because he just sat there and didn't did do nothing. Even though Ben Askren, they don't realize how good Ben Askren really is. Do you realize the trash talk war though of Askren versus either Diaz brother in the build? I mean, Askren tweeted out a couple days ago, okay, make to make it fair, I'll fight both Nate and Nick in a handicap five-round bout. Nate takes the odd rounds, Nick takes the evens, I still won't lose a round. I mean, this would be this would be fun. This would be great. Yeah, it, it would, for him, for Askren would be, but don't forget, Nick and Nate aren't, aren't like, like, Askren would need somebody like, more like um, Chael to make to, because the thing is, Nick and Nate, the trash talk ain't on that level as Askren. Askren's trash talk is more um, schoolboyish kind of. Not schoolboy, but like, like you need a lot of like sense. You have to break it down and like listen to the whole story. Where Nick and Nate gets straight to the point. 
Ben Askren tells a great story and smashes you in the story where Nick and Nate are just like, F you, come see me outside. Don't be scared. You know what I'm saying? Like, just straight to the point. That dork in the park. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you, King Mo. <laughs> uh, why is uh, John Jones manager Malky Kawa tweeting at Askren a whole bunch of times saying, you're welcome, I made this happen? What's the inside story on that? Do you know anything about that? Um, I have no idea. Hmm. No idea. Interesting. Interesting stuff there. Wow. Uh, hey, business is picking up. Look, we got to be honest. I, I think there was a moment in time. When Dana came out in that LA press conference, this was what, August 3rd, the day before, 2, 2.20 something? What, what was the, uh, the Dillashaw Garbrandt second fight? That was at August 4th in LA. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was in LA, yeah. The day I before forgot. they do that press conference, right? Nate and Poirier come out and then Dana shows the video with Connor. From that day, UFC skyrocketed in my mind. Business picking up. Good news every week. There's good news, yeah. King. Yeah, well, they needed to be because everything else prior to that was all bad news. Sale, uh, pay-per-view sales not doing good, injuries, people pulling out fights. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. The 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 um the uh, Conor McGregor um dolly through the window. There was there was a lot of stuff going on, man. And uh, now after that after that announcement, things kind of started going. The chaos started going away, and the good news started coming in. The fights are getting made. The only bad news was uh, for UFC, which is probably going to be good news in the long run, was the fallout from that 229 brawl. And they did have a hearing at the Nevada State Athletic Commission. And essentially they pushed it off again now to a December hearing. The only news we saw was that they gave $1 million of Habib's reported $2 million purse back to him. The other million they're going to hold up until they have the final hearing. You think we're going to get real suspensions here? I think by the time that hearing happens, Kimo, they're just going to be like retroactive to the date of the yeah. fight. You, you know, I mean, yeah. even if you give them six month suspensions, it's probably going to be, you know, eclipsing by the time both would fight next anyway. So, yeah, I, I think the well, people that get the punishment the most are the guys that he's bringing into the cage. Like, uh, the guy, the outside is that, you know, not a He'll get a little slap on sleeping for jumping out of the cage. He might get a good, he probably get a bigger fine than suspension. You know, if you look at the the punishment, the true punishment, but I think the guys that from his corner that threw punches are in trouble. They're gone. Wow. Do you think uh, Habib will be a man of his word then and be gone too? I don't think so. I don't no. think so. Nah, he's not going to. He's not going to at all. Look, it all goes back when you don't punish Connor, you can't punish Habib the same way. And if you're a fan of MMA, you don't want either to be punished because business is picking up. A lot of fun yep. fights to make. Uh, to close on this whole trade business, King Mo, if this was, if this became a thing, there's some fun and necessary deals that you could do. It's not just, well, I always wanted to see Michael Chandler against the UFC lightweights, which is fine. That'd be a nice trade, whatever you want to do there. But the UFC's doing nothing with the DS brothers. They have a good history with Scott Coker from Strike Force, now of Bellator. Doesn't that seem like a no-brainer? Let's figure something out. Let's make a deal here. Kind of, but it depends on for who, because I, I don't see Coker giving up certain certain people. It depends. It's, I know Coker's a little diesel. He works a little different than uh, Dana White does. Actually, a lot different than Dana White does. I mean, they could, there's so many welterweights right now in Bellator. You know, we talk they may yeah. have a better welterweight division than UFC. With, for both Diaz brothers, you can make a, a ton of fights, whether you're doing it just to make fun fights or you're doing it yeah. to, like, fill out a championship. Uh, 
man, I'd like to see that because King Mo, I don't want the Diaz brothers to suddenly be 38, which is going to happen eventually, you know, and you're going to be like, yeah. well, man, they fought twice in the last 10 years or whatever. Like, yeah, these guys got to fight. Let's make it happen. But I'd also like to see Fedor once in the UFC. I do. I would. The fan in me would. Do you care about that or you don't care about that? Uh, who, like, you know, I, it doesn't matter. It, I, I'd be happy if, it's for Fedor to do what he wants to do. If Fedor want to go to the UFC and might got the chance. I'd be happy with that. But to me, just that, that, that kind of sale when Brock Lesnar was still champion. Well, it did sail because we, we didn't get, we never got to see Fedor and, against and Couture. Randy. And Couture. Yeah, we were and, supposed yeah. to see Fedor and Randy. Yeah. We never got it. Uh, that was back when Dana White was trying to deal with K1's, uh, or not K1, what, what was M1? M1 Global's, uh, yeah. Vadim yeah. Finkelstein. Vadim Finkelstein, yep. And, uh, they had those public Twitter wars where we thought one of them was going to eventually get killed with the trash talking they were doing. But, yeah. uh, look, I want to see Fedor once in there and I want to see it. I can't believe I'm saying these words. I want to see it against Brock Lesnar. It's probably the best match you can make. Probably. Yeah. Brock Lesnar or maybe Randy Couture come out of retirement and have that one, oh, have one no, more fight. Dana, Dana, Dana and Randy aren't seeing eye to eye. Dana's not yeah. going to give Randy that, but, uh, uh, what, what about DC? I mean, that'd be interesting. Uh, well, Fedor's kind of too old. You know, I'd rather have Fedor fight someone that's like more as more washed. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. More has been 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 in MMA for longer than fifteen years. Just he's Fedor's been in the game for for a long time. Yeah, he's, he's, it's like two thousand one something like that. It's not before that. Actually, before that because he fought in the rings. Um, the bleep, the the rings uh card. Wow, the rings tournament. Does that go back in the nineties? Yeah, back in the nineties, like ninety ninety six. Wow. Um, wild times indeed. Uh, is there any trades off the top of your head that you that you need to see that you want to see? I mean, you make a good point. Coker's not going to be like, okay, UFC, here's Aaron Pico and MVP. Let me get a yeah. Diaz brother. And like, they're not going to give up the, the whole future, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, he could, he could, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe try to maybe make a trade for, um, get Cyborg. Yes. Trade for a trade for Cyborg, but to fight in belt or kickboxing. Well, that that's a greater that, user. Yeah, I, I just better, think yeah. they could do a better job creating one-off fights for Cyborg that are worth watching than UFC yeah. even can. UFC yeah, still definitely. hasn't created a top ten rankings for featherweight on their website since they launched that division uh, almost two years ago. So it's it's insane. But uh, you're gonna get traded, Kingmo. You want to get traded because uh, we can make this work here. You want to wake up and be in the UFC tomorrow? You you always say. Speaking about Fedor going to the UFC, Kickmo, you're in the second half of your career here. You've fought everywhere. You've worn a Strike Force title. We've never seen you in the UFC. Does that matter? Oh, I just go with the money is and who's going to treat me good. You know what I'm saying? And really, as far as treatment, I don't know the UFC. I don't know. I, I, you know what? I'm not. I'm cool with Bellator because I know they. I know. I know they treat me good. But if they happen to let me go and the UFC want to sign me, I go. But uh-huh. whatever. I'm not. I'm not really worried about. Anybody right now? I'm worried about just getting this win on December fifteenth. What's the yeah. history of your relationship, if if any, with Dana White? Has there ever been a text? Has there ever been a handshake? What What do you yeah, got? Yeah, we, we we talked. I we talked a few times via text and on the phone, but just um, not my type of guy. Not reliable. Can you trust him? No. Will he lie in your face? Yeah. But will you know if he is? You won't know until after the fact. So. <laughs> You know, I know he's a businessman, so you know that's how it is. So if you if you're if you're in bed with Dana, you know you know you know what you're getting yourself into. So I'm not gonna 
I don't want, I, it's, I rather not deal with somebody that's going to, I'm going to have a lot of question marks after the conversation's over with. I rather deal with somebody that when I know it's over with, I know we're, we're, everything's set in stone. So essentially you're saying if he pays you in cash, yes. Anything else, I'm not sure. If everything's written down in the contract and, there's a, and, I, and I had three lawyers look at it, then we're good. All right. Well, I'm not, I'm not trying to force something that's not there, but just for fantasy's sake, a lot of people listening to the show are big fans of King Mo. What's, what's the one name in the UFC that if you could, if they could announce tomorrow that you're fighting, who's the one guy in UFC you want out of anyone else? I, I don't I never thought about it. You know, just whoever. I don't care who it, they throw me out. It don't matter to me. I, I never, I don't I never really thought about it before, to be honest with you. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. I don't, I don't care. Just whoever, the, whoever, say somebody fell out, there's a heavyweight or 205er, you need me to step in. I would just step in and fight. I'm, I'm not the type of person to, to, to think about names or guys to fight. I just never did that. All right, John Jones, King Mo, John Jones. I just made it. I, I just yeah, made that. I fight him. Yeah, I fight him. Fight him. Fight him now. I fight him now. Now, do you like when we, when I say things like that? Hey, King Mo, would you fight John Jones? I know the fighter in you is like, yeah, I'd fight it. But would that be a fight that you'd uh, like? What would get you most excited about that? The idea of creating a game plan in your head to try to beat him, or just the uh, hey, I want to fight the very best and see if I can be on that level. The game plan. The game planning, the training for the fight, for the preparation. Because really the fight, like, fight, going go out there and fighting is not that hard. Because you can go out there and fight and you have two chances. You have two options. Actually, three. It might be a draw, win or lose. So you know you're going to get one of those three results. But you have to figure out how we give yourself the best chance to get the results you want. So if I want to lose, then guess what? I just don't train. I don't, I don't train while I still Now, if I want to get a draw, I'll just watch a little film, train a little bit, and, they, and that increases my chances of maybe getting a draw. If I want to get a good, solid victory, i got to break my opponent down, come with a game plan, be in shape, get a good team around me, get the right some training partners, sparring partners, get the right feel and look. You know what I'm saying? That's, what, that's, that's, the, that's the, the part that excites me the most out of the fighting is the preparation for it. Because the preparation is every day, where the fight is a one-time thing. Interesting stuff indeed. Uh, so you're saying we're not going to see a future where trading will become a thing. Like this was a special situation. It wasn't even really a trade. You're saying Scott Coker and Dana White, even though Coker had a nice tweet about tw- trades with a, with an emoji there, but like, are we ever going to see a reality where Coker and White can do this or is it basically illegal because of the independent contractors? Well, yeah, if we're not independent contractors, then we can see trades, but like, how can you have a trade? There's no fighters union. There's nothing. So pretty much they just pick and choose what they want to do with this. You know, it's not, yeah, that, so that, I, I don't, I don't see that happening. And then that, that's kind of, I, I feel like in the long run, this, this, what happened right here could, can, could cause some issues for, um, for the UFC. Ooh, explain that. Explain that, King. What do you got for me? Well, just the fact that they're willing to let go certain fighters and be like, hey, like, I, no, they're calling the trade. Even though they're not, we're not signed, truly signed employees of these organizations. So in a sense, they're saying that we're we're with them, like the UFC, like the UFC, and the, and, and the media saying, "Hey, it's a fight trade, it's a trade." But how can you trade something that you're not really, you, you know, that, like the fighters? We don't work for the organizations; we're contracted by them. I, I just I just think that that, that people can start opening their eyes up more, start asking more questions. At least I hope they will. 
that's what I hope. We're gonna see. Um, they have the um, the organizations, the um, MMAFA, and the, um, there are a few organizations that are looking into um, the uh, looking into the fighters union. Yeah, remember that press I, conference with uh, GSP, Dillashaw, yeah. Cowboy, Bjorn yeah. Rebney? That never seemed to really go anywhere. Yeah, what, is that, that's a different organization. They went, they're, they're, they're under, but the MMAFA, I think his name is something Massey, or, um, I'm hoping, to, to be honest with you, I feel like they're, they're done too, but I'm hoping somebody, an ex-MMA fighter, somebody gets into politics and can help make a change in MMA, actually in combat sports. I think there's only whole. one man who can do that. Never piss off a gangster. I, I, and I think you might be right. I think you might that 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 one man is Chael Sonnen. Very. I, th- I think you're right. Well, what you just mentioned about the whole idea of like opening Pandora's box here is what if there's okay? So DJ wasn't happy. UFC didn't like him. It kind of made it sense. What if Woodley tomorrow goes? Hey, you just you just uh, made DJ's wishes come true. Hey Dana White, you don't care about me. You don't pay me what I'm worth. Dana White, trade me to Bellator where there's. Plenty of welterweights. Where Scott Coker, who I used to work for in Strike Force, will take great care of me. Is this the type of problem you're saying could happen? Where guys are just going to be like, "Oh, you traded Mouse, trade me now." Well, well, well kind of. But here's the thing, right? So what he says that, and then Bellator will have to have an open, like a conversation, a hidden conversation with the UFC, saying, "Okay, well, you should let Woodley go. We'll let MVP and Pico go too." But what if MVP and Pico didn't want to go? Yeah, yeah, this is very interesting. I like to see this a trade for Dylan Danis to get in the UFC, so we can make more of these uh, Habib's camp versus Connor camp fights happen. <laughs> that should be that should be uh, pretty interesting. But no, seriously, if we are talking about trades, I'd like Woodley to go to Bellator and end his career with some high profile fights there, make some fun fights, rematch with Rory, do some good stuff. At the same time, we're going to eventually get to a point where we're going to want to see, like you said, guys like Pico and MVP. At the higher level of UFC, so uh, hey, keep the phone lines open. You never know, King Mo. But uh, we've talked UFC, we've talked Bellator, we've talked One FC. Let's talk about Golden Boy MMA, King Mo. The newest promotion is on the scene. We know November twenty fourth at the Forum in Inglewood. We will see Liddell Ortiz three. Brought to you by Oscar De La Hoya's Golden Boy Promotions, and now King Mo, we have a pay per view price. Of forty nine ninety nine, and we have an undercard, and it sucks, King Mo. It sucks the damn horn. You heard it right here. Uh, your thoughts? You with me on that? It's Kenneth Berg versus Jorge Gonzalez, Waldell Watson versus Ricardo Palacios, Darren Wynn versus Filthy Tom Lawler, Jay Silva versus Oscar Cota, and Glyson Tebow, your man. Versus Efrain Escudero in a meeting of former UFC fighters. What yeah, it's gonna bomb. It's yeah. gonna bomb bad. Uh, you know, um, they should try to get on the zone. They should have done. I think you're right. I still don't know why this is not a Bellator fight. Do you have any inside info? Why is Liddell Ortiz three not a Bellator fight? Who's gonna watch it? But come on, but Bellator's put out Shamrock Gracie three, the, but, but the Dada Kimbo Bowl. Shamrock, Shamrock Gracie 3 and Dada, Dada Kimbo is a, on the same card, and people actually tuned in to watch Dada fight Kimbo. Right, it's, it, it's sloppy, no, 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 it's fun. No, I know, but, no, but people, they tuned in to watch two street fighters, two famous, famous street fighters, mind you, street fighters, 
go out there and street fight. That's what it was. <laughs> you and it was free, right? It was, no, it was you're right. It was fight. free. That's yeah, the point. It was a free street fight. Like, you, like street fights are free. No one pays to watch a street fight. You know what I'm saying? So like Chuck Liddell versus uh, Tito is beyond a street fight. It's an old man fight, an old old man fight. Like an old man fight. Like nothing against Chuck, but like. He ain't fighting a while. I wish they would give him a chance to like get a, a warm up, a tune up fight to see what he really looks like. Because if you look somewhat decent or solid in a tune up fight, then they could have sold this fight even better. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is not a strong undercard. Uh, uh, Tebow Escudero is probably the highest profile fight here. And, uh, that kind of is what it is. Um, Kendall Grove has a potential to be a swing bout, by the way, the former Bellator and UFC fighter who was doing bare knuckle most recently. Uh, it's not like there were a lot of names available. I get that. It's not like Eddie Alvarez was like, hold on, 1FC. Let me fight with Golden Boy first. Uh, I know they didn't have a lot of options, but at 50 bucks, man, in this day and age with the zone, you mentioned it, that's, this is going to be asking a lot to see a Liddell Ortiz fight that really is as good in theory as some of those other old guy fights that Bellator's been putting on for free. I mean, Chael Sonnen versus Fedor was a fun-ass matchup on paper, and you just got to watch that for free. And on top of that, like, none of those guys are coming up for, like, when's the last time Chuck Liddell fought? Um, I think it was 2010. And when's the last time he won a fight? That's a great question. So, I, like, I, I think it was probably that Wander, that, that Vanderlei match, which was a long-ass time ago, right? In 2000, 2000, that was 2007, I believe. Oh, please tell me that's not true. Let's see the end of Chuck's career. Chuck's 48 now. We have yeah. not seen him since the loss to Rich Franklin in 2010. The last win was December 2007. That unanimous decision over Vonderlei, which was a classic brawl. Love that fight. Oh, called it. That came, that loss, that win came within a stretch of Five losses and six fights, of course. And mind you, don't forget Vondelay weighed in at 190 for that fight. 2007's fight of the year. And look, obviously that was when the wheels fell off. After the second win over Tito, we saw Chuck get knocked out by Rampage. The split decision lost to Jardine. Then you saw that run of KO losses to Sugar Rashad, Shogun, and Rich Franklin. Um yeah, this is, I mean, look, I'm not, again, I'm not against this fight. Like, I, look, it, it, it's the lowest common denominator. It's like MMA pornography. It appeals. We can't fight. get away from it. But it, you can't charge 50 bucks for this. So, um, I'd like to see Oscar's financial plan. I'd like to see what's going on here. Now that Oscar's in DAZN, he probably, you're right. He probably should have said, Hey, DAZN, you give me the money that I probably, the, the small amount of money that I probably would have made for putting this fight on pay-per-view and we'll put it on DAZN. And by the way, DAZN has Bellator, has Combate Americas. They just signed like two other lower level MMA promotions. They're making moves, King Mo. They're making moves right here. Maybe they should sign Golden Boy MMA. Too late in the process. You'll have to pay forty nine ninety nine to see this. So uh start saving your money now, King. Yeah, I and I'm be I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm not for this fight because you know, at least like if it was striker versus striker, like if if Chuck got dropped, it'd probably probably be over with. But most likely, he's going to get taken down and ground and pounded out. And um, the ground and pound is where you're going to see most of the damage being done. Elbows to the head to a stationary target on the on the ground. Like, um, uh, I don't know, man. I hope I hope Chuck can make this fight competitive. I hope, I hope he comes out unharmed. Maybe this Either fight should have instead been Tito Ortiz versus King Mo on the Paramount Network. Uh, Tito ain't going to fight me. I, and I, I have no interest in fighting Tito. He wants to fight... Um, 
people that are old and uh and and, and I don't know, I just I don't know, I have no interest in fighting Tito Man. He's, he's a clown. Wow, wow, wow. Tough words from a tough man. King Mo, it's time to get into our weekend preview. It's a big one. UFC 230 this Saturday. I will be there. Have coverage for you all week on CBS Sports HQ. We're going to be doing some big things. It's Madison Square Garden, New York. We touched on some of these points, but it's time to reiterate them again. The third visit to MSG for UFC in November since that ban was lifted in 2016 which was a 19-year ban on the sport of mixed martial arts. It was uh, the last of the 50 states to make it legal. Since then, we have become a tradition that the first weekend of November will be a major, a Super Bowl-level card for the UFC. It started with 205 in 2016. McGregor, Alvarez, you had Thompson, Woodley won. You had some good fights. The second one may have been even better. Maybe the best card I've ever seen in person. 217 last November when you saw Rose Joanna won, you saw that great main event of GSP Bisping, you saw Garbrandt Dillashaw won. This year, King Mo, not on that level. We know we've had injuries, we've had other issues. But I never felt like they had a handle on the main event from the beginning. I felt like Dana and company thought, hey, if John Jones comes back in time, we could probably get him on this card, and then it just didn't work out. Do you are you pointing fingers here? Are you disappointed that for what had become a major that two thirty this weekend is a good card, but not a great card? Or are you are you giving them a mulligan? You giving them a pass? Well, I don't know. I'm, most most people that, you know that watch the UFC give them passes. Really, I feel like you have to give them something for having a good card, at least something. Because if you look at those, if you look, if you look, if you compare these cards to. The UFC's cars when they first started doing pay-per-views, it's night and day. Like before they used to come out and plan them now, it's like they just throw stuff together and see what sticks. So this car, they try, they try to salvage it. They try to get people what they want a little bit. And, you know, I think that this car is going to be somewhat entertaining. The, the car's good on paper. Yeah. It's got potential yeah. to be fun. We just wanted more. And my, I guess my biggest bone to pick is this. Look, Dustin Poirier got hurt. We're supposed to have Nate Diaz, Dustin Poirier, and as a co-main, that would have been fantastic. Poirier gets hurt last minute, has to pull out. To not save Nate, and look, I know Nate is hard to deal with, but Dana's basically coming out this week and saying, like, you know, I don't know if Dana's gonna, I don't know if Nate's gonna fight again unless he really wants to. I'm upset that they didn't give him a, that lightweight division is loaded with names. Get Nate on this card. Like, I felt like that would have been the swing situation to make this a must, must, must see rather than just a pretty good pay-per-view. Like, they got to figure that out. Make, like, make it work with that guy. Dana w- essentially said there was another member of UFC who loves Nate, who wanted to work with him, and Dana said, okay, you're the one handling him for this. And Dana's basically dismissively laughing like, I told you so. I told you he's hard to work with. Why can't they make this work, this relationship? Why are we two and a half years since we've last seen Nate Diaz fight? Why, King Mo? Tell me why. I have no idea. This could come down to the communication between um, the UFC and uh, the Diaz boys. or Actually, or Nate Diaz. I have no idea what's going on, really. Uh, it seemed like um, Nate was on board for the Dustin Poirier fight. And it seemed like we had a fight right there. At one point, I thought that was the main event, but come to find out, it never was. And it seemed like the UFC was looking for a reason not to keep or to put Diaz at the main event slot. 
But maybe I'm wrong. I mean, Diaz hurt himself by tweeting out that he was going to be fighting uh, Dustin for the 165 title that isn't even real. I get that he pissed Dana White off with that, but I would have liked if they salvaged him. But look. But, but hold on, hold on. But here's the thing. The 165-pound title is a possible title. It's a real weight class. It's just that the UFC chooses not to enforce it. Because the thing is, don't forget, with Henry Burrell, they let him fight at, at a catchweight a few times. You know, so like, why not offer it? The thing is, when it comes down to it, they just offer, they throw in the rest of the belts because at least it'll, 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 it'll give them interesting matchups. You know what I'm saying? It'll, just throw in extra weight classes. Everyone said, we don't want MMA to be like boxing. Well, at least with boxing, you have interesting matchups. Granted, the weight classes are three, three pounds apart in some, in some instances, but they're still interesting matchups. Well, this fight card certainly doesn't suck, and we're getting that quick turnaround main event for the heavyweight championship, Daniel Cormier against Red Hot Derek Lewis. Derek, why'd you take your pants off? My balls were hot. I understand. A 28-day turnaround for Derek Lewis after his balls was hot when he rallied at 229 to stop Alexander Volkov in the final seconds after essentially losing the first two and three-quarter rounds. Landed the big right hand. We've talked about it when this fight got signed. There's some things not to love about the quick turnaround. Derek Lewis took upwards of 70 strikes to the head just 28 days ago. He's supposed to be medically suspended right now. They're going to let him back in. And we know Daniel Cormier hurt his right hand when he took the heavyweight title from Stipe at UFC 220. Man, I am losing my math. This uh, 226 in July? 226, right? It doesn't. Does it really I matter? I don't know the numbers. Too many numbers. Yeah, there's too many numbers, and they all sound yeah. alike. Uh, so Cormier, as we know, uh, as recently as two weeks ago, told Luke Thomas on the MMA Hour that he can't even close his right fist. But he's going to come back. He turned down the chance at the Stipe rematch. He sees this as a easier shot to the title. We certainly know that. Yes, that was 226, July 7th. Um, it's a fun matchup, regardless of that. And as a Band-Aid, it's certainly not that bad. And it's not like Derek Lewis isn't worthy. I mean, he's put together a run of wins. I mean, you may have hated the Nganu win, but he's put together names. Derek Lewis just has that one loss to Mark Hunt in the fourth round in their main event in June of 2017. Outside of that, that's that's basically a run of 9-1 and one, dating back three years. So he's deserving in that regard, despite the fact that he's publicly said <laughs> He doesn't deserve it. Stipe deserves it, and he doesn't know if he can go five rounds. But we're going to put all those negativity aside. We're going to focus on the fun of this matchup. Does this fire you up, King? Uh, I'm happy for Daniel to get a chance to get that get, get a chance get a chance to defend his belt. Um, I don't want to get fired up for no fight, really. But I think that this chance, this fight has a chance to get get people thrills and oohs and ahs because Derek Lewis, he's he's, he's wild. He has a lot of power. When he's big, he's impressive. And when he swings, everybody holds their breath. And he doesn't quit. He's not no, afraid he to lose quit. the whole fight and still stay in it. And Daniel's so elusive. He's so quick. He's a lot smaller. That he's gonna, he's gonna make, he's, when, he, when he evades the punches, he's going to evade them just enough. And everybody's going to be doing this, wondering if the punch is going to land. Wondering if it's going to land. Doing this for 25 minutes until... <laughs> They realized Daniel just did enough to get that victory. And it's gonna, it's gonna, I'm, I'm, Daniel will get hit some, but at the same time, he'll be slick enough to not take much damage and get that victory. Is the right hand injury gonna be a problem? Or can he win this with wrestling, smart ground and pound, and what you're saying, elusiveness, use that jab, 
hit and move? All, all dancers do is just be, be active, stick and move. And you don't got to hit him too hard. He just has to land because it wasn't like Mark Hunt was throwing out heat. Mark Hunt was just touching and keeping pressure on Derrick Lewis and kept steady pressure on him. And actually, after a while, Derrick Lewis couldn't handle the pressure and his back just kind of locked up and he just kind of just, just locked up and couldn't do much except absorb strikes and they stopped the fight. If you're in the corner of Derek Lewis and you know publicly you said, I don't even have three rounds stamina, how can I do five? What is your game plan against a quick, good wrestler, guy who has pop too in Cormier despite that injured hand? What's your game plan for your Derek Lewis's team? Punch with them, put pressure on them. The thing is he has pop, but at the same time, so is Derek Lewis. Why not take the risk? So Just you're saying it. that, I mean, look, we, we, we think he has a puncher's chance, essentially, when you look at the matchup. So you're saying you should double down on that and make it a wild hell of two rounds? Yeah, because the thing is, like, if, if he gets to the point where he makes Daniel use his wrestling, then he's probably going to – okay, if he makes Daniel use his wrestling, like, too early, real early and, and Daniel can get a takedown, then it's going to be tough for Daniel. But if he makes Daniel use his wrestling a little too early and he is, like, busy stuffing takedowns or defending takedowns and on his back – He's going to lose. <laughs> Plain and simple. This fight came out of nowhere. It was a band-aid to save the card, and it kind of screws up Daniel Cormier's exit plan in the sense that we we think he's going to fight Brock Lesnar in January or February. He's talked about that March retirement on his 40th birthday. I think we're all smart businessmen and realize that he's probably going to fight John Jones in some form, and then that would probably be his last fight. But there is a gamble in doing this with an injured right hand coming back earlier than you thought against a big-time hitter in Derek Lewis. Have we really processed what might happen here if Derek Lewis wins? Is everybody ready for this? I mean, UFC can spin it marketably into a Derek Lewis-DC rematch. Now, heck, they could do Lesnar-Lewis if they wanted to. But, like, what happens if Derek Lewis wins here, King Mo? That kind of ruins DC's narrative here to close his career. Yeah, if Derek Lewis be happy to beat Daniel, which I don't think he will, but... If he does, it'd be a great story for him, a great win for him, and quite possibly John Jones fight for him. Wow, John Jones, Derek. So you're, you, what you're saying is, if Derek Lewis knocks out Daniel Cormier, then we wait and see if John Jones beats Gustafson, and Jones is a heavy favorite entering this rematch. Then we would do a John Jones Derek. What about Lesnar? Would you think John Jones would be like, I need Lesnar now. I need that money. I don't know because it, it depends. Like you know, I, don't, I I have no idea. They can still do Lesnar for Stipe. Or they could do Lesnar versus Cormier. They can still, they can do, they can still do fights, but, you know, I think, I think, I think, I think Lewis, I think Lewis versus Jones does, could possibly do more than, uh, Brock versus, uh, Jones. Really? Because of the heavyweight title at stake as opposed to just fighting Brock for his name? Yep. That's why. Because, it, cause they, they can show highlights of Derek Lewis getting, getting massive knockouts because of Brock. The only highlight you can show at Brock is him knocking down Heath Herring <laughs> and him yelling and, and throwing the mouthpiece. piece. But uh, Derek Lewis, you see Derek Lewis knocking people out, doing the thing, a gorilla pose, uh, you know, and, and the beast pose and, and saying for some funny stuff and some knockouts. You, I think, I feel like you see, you see more action out the package from Derek Lewis compared to Brock. 
Yeah, man, this is uh, th- that's an interesting theory, and you get John Jones going for two titles if he wins the light heavyweight title from Gustafson in that vacant fight, and then he would be going for to become a two division champ, champ as they say. Hey, that's interesting. Hey, I'm sad that this co-main fell out. It's supposed to be Weidman Rockhold, the rematch mm-hmm. between former middleweight champs. We're supposed to see this rematch, rematch by the way, at UFC 199, but then Bisping slid in those DMs and screwed up the middleweight division for yep. a while. We won't see it because of Rockhold's injury. He's had two major injuries that forced him to pull out. So Ronaldo Souza, the great Jacare, is going to move up. He was supposed to fight David Branch. Now he's going to fight Weidman. Hey, this is not that bad for, a, again, a last-minute copy-and-paste co-main event. Weidman saying he thinks this will make him the number one contender if he wins. How do you see this matchup playing out? Weidman needs a big win. Jacare at 38, still a viable contender in this division. We know what he can do on the ground. How is this fight? What's this fight going to look like in round one? I have no idea because if John Craig gets the fight to the ground, it's going to be interesting because Wildman has some good, has some good wrestling, some good grappling. Stand up wise, they both can punch. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Wildman can punch too, but Wildman's defense isn't that good. John Craig's defense isn't that good either, but. I don't know. This fight's a 50-50 fight. It's going to come down to condition, in my opinion. I think that's a great call. And there's a lot on the table for Weidman here when you consider. Had that destructive three-fight losing skid where he lost his belt to Rockhold, then was knocked out badly by Romero and Gegard Mousasi. Came back and and submitted Kelvin Gastelum. And the reason why that's key is because Gastelum's next in line for Robert Whitaker's title probably in early 2019. At 34, if you're Chris Weidman and you get a win here, you probably would be next in line, considering you but also don't, have but, a, don't, but don't forget, Gaslam did beat Jacare. That is true. So, so, so this is gonna be interesting. If Jacare happens to beat Weidman, then that, that's gonna create a whole, you know, messed up MMA match. And is Romero yeah. still in middleweight? Where's Yoel Romero right now? Is he still? In I was fighting fight, first with fight Costa at that. Yeah, that's right. And and I mean, Romero owns a devastating win over Weidman and. uh he never fought Jacare. No, he did. He, he split decision. Yeah. That was that, that, that was an interesting fight in 2015. That split decision over Jacare. So he's got wins over both. Hey, in middleweight's interesting right now, but the, the whole point here is if Weidman loses, he's just a name now. He's just an aging name. This is a chance for him to get right back in the, in the picture. That'll add some intrigue to it. I'm interested to see how this plays out because Weidman's going to have to be, look, what, wh- what made Weidman great when he beat Silva twice? Was it just an all around package? Tough guy? Can do some things decently. He came, at the, he came at the right time. He came at the right time when Silva's re- wrestling was still wasn't strong enough. His takedown defense wasn't strong enough, and Wyman was a big wrestler, and he had the height, and he he, he was big. He could wrestle, and, and um, he was running through all the competition. I uh, look. I've always been a Wyman truther, where he's he's really good, but he's not great. And I still to this day say both Silver wins were tainted, and people fight me on that. He's a good fighter. I just never saw him as great. He's going to have to really come out here after a couple, you know, after that, those three losses and after the injury that kept him out for a year and really show us something, King. So it's going to have to be on the feet, I think, against Jacare. Yeah. Yeah. Or he'll, I don't know. He'll figure something out because we thought that Romero would have to beat Jacare on his feet and ja- Romero took Jacare down well, with the cage, you know, and, uh, and yeah, Romero will cheat come, if he has to. We know that. Yeah, and, and didn't come close to get submitted, but he was still he was still there, landing some good ground and pound. So I don't know. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens. I, I don't know what's gonna happen, but I don't know. I feel like 
this will be a battle. And, you know, on the ground, Rodman has some good ground. Solid ground game on the ground. So, yeah. We're going to see David Branch, the middleweight, has a new opponent, Jared Cannonier. This about movie at all? Uh, Jared is really a 185-pounder. He's fighting heavyweight in 205. He's slick. I believe this is his first fight at 185, I thought. So it'll be interesting because they both had, they both had stand up. They both had jujitsu. I, but I think that, uh, that, uh, um, Branch has better wrestling. So it's going to be, that, that'll, that'll be a good, that, that's a, that's a, a quiet, a quiet, sneaky fight. It right is. There. And Branch is a quiet, sneaky competitor at 37, former World Series of Fighting two division champion. He's two and one in the UFC. We saw him get submitted clean, you know, pretty cleanly and defiantly by Rockhold there, but, uh, He's a player. He's got got some good boxing. He can do some things. This is going to be an opportunity for him to stay high up in those rankings. Uh, this other middleweight bout they threw in here last minute after Poirier got hurt doesn't do anything for me. Tell me why I should care about Carl Robeson versus Jack Marshman. King Mo, tell me. I don't care. Tell me. Well, Marshman is a European that might – I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe they're looking to showcase him somehow. I have no idea. I, I don't know. Yeah, Kyle Roberson is the uh, kickboxer. He's coming off a loss to Cesar Ferreira. Was it Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series guy? That's how he came on the scene. Interesting. But the first fight, and this is a middleweight heavy card, four of the five pay-per-view fights are middleweight, and the first one I think might be the best one, at least the most excited. I mean, okay, Weidman, Jockery, great fight, matchup. But when you're going to see Derek Brunson against the last style bender, Israel Adesanya, look, we're talking about... Maybe Weidman could get a title shot with a win. Maybe Jacare. Where's Romero? The guy who has the future. The guy who may have next. The guy who may leapfrog all of these guys is Israel Adesanya. And this is the perfect step up. Coming off that main event win over Brad Tavares in July to find out if he is a real player. Brunson Adesanya. Can you feel it, King? Yeah, is that fight, well, is that the fight, is it the first fight in the main card? That, that, that's how they have it laid out right now. Okay, cause I figured they put that as the third, second, and third fight, you know, because that fight would actually, I think if I had to fight the third, car, the third fight, because then I feel like that had people sitting, you know, people would tune in to watch that fight. They pay to watch that fight. Yes. The third. That's a good fight right there. That's a damn good fight. And Brunson, look, he's dangerous. He's coming off that head kick loss, of course, to Jacare, but the fight before, he knocked out Leota Machido clean in one round. He, I thought he beat Anderson Silva two fights before that, right? I mean, he's been stopped by Robert Whitaker, but he's also stopped some pretty tough guys in Uriah Hall, Dan Kelly. So he can bang. This is really that type of deep water test for Adesanya, who is so cocky, so in control, always looking for the, the, the highlight reel strike. Any holes for Adesanya on this ride that you're worried about that Brunson could expose? The takedown defense. I don't think it's that good. She has a lot of holes in it because you know Brad Tavares is a striker, and the fight before that he fought a guy Matt Vittori, who's a jiu-jitsu grappler, no wrestling, you know, and he took he got take down. His wrestling is horrible, so um, I, I just I don't know. Wrestling is a, is a major hole, and it, it will, it will, it, I expect to be a major hole because Australia ain't known for wrestling. And he's a kickboxer, so his striking or his offense is kickboxing heavy, so striking heavy. So I feel like his his weaknesses most likely are grappling slash wrestling. Does Brunson have the wrestling game to where that's the right strategy? 
Yeah, because Brunson, he you know he wrestled uh, collegiately in America, you know, in uh, here in America. He's a good power double guy. So it, a guy like Israel, you shoot a single leg, it might be hard because he's the balance. But shoot a double leg, you shoot a double leg to pick him off his feet to slam him. Because then you, it's hard to have good balance when you're in the air. Brunson, a three-time Division II All-American at UNC Pembroke. This will be a fun fight, man. And you're talking about opportunities for a, a guy who may have next, like Adesanya, to shine. This is, you know, opening a, a big pay-per-view at MSG here against a tough out in Brunson. I'm not saying a, a, a you know, highlight real performance gets him a title shot next, but it, pretty soon, you know, they might, they might have the guy who's next right here. And we know UFC, as soon as someone looks good, they want to, they want to fast track him. They'll ruin a guy if they have to. They're just throwing yeah. things at the wall for the most part. Uh, wow. He's going to have an opportunity. Love this fight. I think he steps up to it. I think he ste- I think he is legit. Kimo, he kind of looks like John Jones in there with the long arms, but fights like Anderson Silva to a degree with the, with the dangerous kick and creative strikes. I, I love this guy. Love him, King. Yeah, I, I think, I think, I, I like what I see in him. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure what, what else to see. Well, well, I'm not sure where he is as far as ready because, you know, we haven't seen him face guys like Derek Bronson or Jocker Ray or Wyman. Yeah, I just those three itself, even the Romero or Paulo Costa, those guys, those are the top branch, Rock Hall, those guys, those guys there, the guys that have been proven at the weight class for the past few years. So let's see how he does with Bronson. If he beats Bronson, then I don't know if it's a title shot, but if he gets one, that'd be great. If not, then maybe a Rock Hall or um Weidman or a Gaslam, who knows? So one of those guys will be next. On this preliminary FS one card. Nothing too much is moving me. Jason Knight's got an opportunity in a featherweight bout against Jordan Rinaldi. He's going to be in that preliminary card main event to make some noise. The interesting story is that Sajara Eubanks, the women's flyweight, will be on this card when all is said and done. She's facing two-time world title challenger and, and noted veteran Roxanne Matafuri. But Eubanks has come out, and she said that when they took away the now, – now, just to recap, Dana White panicked after Nate Diaz's public tweet, suddenly gave Eubanks an unknown a title shot yeah. – at, at, at flyweight against, uh, uh, Valentina Shevchenko, which was going to ruin that young Jacek fight for December 8th, which is now back on. I mean, there's a lot of wrangling. Sajara says she called, literally called Dana and like swore him out. And now she's publicly going, Hey, that's disrespectful of Joe Rogan on his podcast to say he's never heard of me. Well, Sajara, I've never heard of you. It was the bad move by UFC to do that. You think she's got a, a case here for how? Yes, she does. She does because the thing is that as, a, as fans, we should know. We don't have to know who she is because it's up to the UFC to make, let, to, to put her, put her out there so we'll know who she is. You know what I'm saying? That's their job. They're, they're motors in a sense. But, um, for an employee, could you imagine if somebody at CBS is like, you know what? What? Brian? I don't know who it is. <laughs> you know, that, that's like a slap in the face. It's kind of disrespectful, you know, because, because anything, if anything, Joe Rogan's job is to know the roster. True, very true. Uh, the, yeah, that that was a little bit, a uh, little back. I mean, it was it was Rogan publicly reacting what w- with what we were all thinking. I'm glad he did yeah, it yeah, because, yeah. It, but like, I'm I'm glad we're not seeing that fight though. Shevchenko, Shevchenko, Young Jacek is a hell of a great fight. We'll see that UFC 231 December 8th in Toronto. Oh yeah, King Mo, that fight fires me up. I'm much more happier we're seeing that, but Eubanks will get a shot here to prove us wrong, prove that she's legit, prove that she's somebody. Um, no, nothing else on this, on this lower card really moving me too much. Anything else? You like Ben Saunders, Lyman Good? Anything else jumping out at you? 
Well, Ben Simmons, I'm a Garrett, I think it was a pretty good fight, though. That should be a good fight. That'll be a pretty good fight. You'll be watching Saturday night, right? Sometimes you like to play it cool and be like, nah, I don't need to see that. You'll be watching this one, King. Yeah, I watch, I watch, I'm gonna watch Daniel. You know, I watch the main card and everything. I watch, I don't, I don't, I can't, it's hard for me to watch the whole thing because sometimes, like, I've been doing MMA and watching MMA since it was called NHB. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So like, I feel like back then there's better quality than there is now. So right now it's like, it's popular. It's popular. It's MMA. Let's throw it to everybody. Well, I feel like it's not just because they're throwing stuff at everybody that needs to catch it. So I'm trying to keep things real. I just can't, I can't support everything because if it's trash, I thought like you shouldn't support trash. But if it's good, support good because then with it being good, it'll bring out more good. But if you're, if you're supporting trash, all they're going to do is throw out more trash. So, so I feel like so as MMA fans, I think you got to go out there. I'm looking yep. through your sentences, and what you're saying is don't buy Ortiz Liddell 3. That's really what you're saying. Hey, I'm not going to say that. It's just that people ain't going to buy it because they know. They start, I, I, if, you, if you think about it, the fans are starting to speak. And they're starting to speak by showing the pay-per-view vibes. They're starting to drop down in boxing. They're starting to drop down in MMA. All across the board because people know that, like, you know what, I'm not going to buy this stuff no more. And that's why you start to see only Canelo fight on pay-per-view and maybe Mayweather. The rest of the pay-per-views are kind of like Pacquiao. Nope, you know better Pacquiao. Go to the zone. Go to PBC. Be smart. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, King Mo's been in the game for 10 years making rap tunes ever since Honey's was wearing Sassoon. A 10-year <laughs> veteran of the fight game. You ever think about your own? You don't, you don't do, you don't get down like that. You don't think about your own career much. You don't, I, I like to play Tell Me the Story King Mo, uh, but you know, you'll, you'll take part, but uh, will there be a day one day you'll be sitting, you know, retire the feet up and you'll go, man, you know, you'll, you'll pat the knee and the grandkids will come over and you'll go, let me tell you about the time I one punched Roger Gracie. You know, like you don't seem to, to mark out for your own career like us journalists nah. and fans do. Now, because the thing is, here's the thing, right? Everything's been done on this planet by somebody. So I've one put somebody, and guess what? There have been millions of other people have done the same thing. Not worried, you know what I'm saying? Like, look, I've done it. Good. You want to do it too? I can show you how to do it. But we're going to talk about how I do it. We're going to talk about how you, sh- how we can get you to do it the right way. Okay. I'm not worried about my past. See, I'm worried about improving other people's stuff. Cause I know, now I know what mistakes I made. So now I'm there to show the people. Don't make my mistakes. Be better and like, move forward. I respect that. I just feel like everybody marks out for themselves in some way. Everybody's got an Al Bundy four touchdown story in high school or something where they're like, you know, man, I was and, once somebody. And that's why. And that's why I, I love married with children, and I'll never have that poke high four <laughs> touchdowns in one in one game story. No, never. And that's that's because I love married with children. I told myself I will never be like Al Bundy. Wow. I would rather be about it. No, because thing I would rather be about it than have to talk about it all the time. Like the guys that let me tell you a story about what I did. No, because that means that you want to tell a little story because no one told stories about you. When people tell stories about you, you got to tell stories about yourself. All right, all right. Hey, I'm still. You're, I like that you're about the future. I'm going to be your manager on this reunion tour where you're going to run back all of your career <laughs> defeats. Next stop, Sazid Sazidov. We got to get back that 2005 oh. World World Wrestling <laughs> Championship loss. Come on. Well, yeah, speak, speaking of that. Everybody out there, if you're a combat combat sports fan, tune in to watch on 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 YouTube. Go check out Kyle Snyder versus um, Abdul Rashid Sulaiyev one that happened last year. They ran it back last week at World Championships, and um, Abdul Rashid did the unthinkable, pinned 
Kyle Snyder, which is crazy. That's wow. a great match. Get a chance to watch it. Because Abdul Rashid's probably one of the greatest wrestlers I've ever seen with my own two eyes. So you get a chance. And so is Kyle Snyder. Get a chance to watch the two best wrestlers on the planet. Bang it out. Bang, he bangs. Hey, this guy, Sad Sid Sadzadov, who, who beat yeah. you in 2005, I didn't realize he was such a badass. He defeated Kale Sanderson in the 2003 uh, World Championships, and he was the former coach of Habib Nurmagomedov and Aaron Pico. Is this all true? Is Wikipedia yeah. telling me a lie? No, he's, it's true. So he, I, I, he's a good guy. You know, um, yeah, I, I like him. We have a chance to, you know, run it back, but he, he, he is one hell of a wrestler. He, he was, he's phenomenal. He lives in Dagestan. He's 38. Hey, I don't know if, if he, if he speaks MMA, but we should, we should, we can run this back in the cage. We can get true. <laughs> all right. But I think I'm pretty sure he's set for it now. You know, I think he's a um, world champion, Olympic medalist. Yeah. You he's do that in Russia, you're set for it. You're set. You're, you're Al Bundy for life there. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep, speaking pretty of that. much. <laughs> I like it. King Mo's not here to tell me about that time when he, when he caught four touchdown passes for Plano East, right? You're not here to talk about that. You're only here to talk about the future. Hey, enjoy UFC 230 this weekend, King Mo and all the listeners out there. Uh, they can find you on social media at King Mo FH. You'll be in that damn gym. ATT. Hey, there was a pro wrestling card at ATT. One of my yeah. coworkers, the great Denny Burkholder, was sending me videos from there. Are you part of that? Yeah, it was King Mo Mania. There's a, I believe, our third or fourth show. Um, it, it, was, it, was, it was pretty phenomenal. Um, 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 Joanna and JTech made their pro wrestling debut in a sense. She didn't. She didn't um, wrestle, but she went, you know, kind of backed me up on something. No way! I, She's got the yeah. right personality for that. Yeah, yeah, she has a personality. Yeah, she, I, she, I, you know what? I feel like when, when these are said and done with her in MMA, she can be an action star. Action movie star or some type of pro wrestler. She she can do something. Yeah, she's a cool chick. I saw that the Devon Dudley boys were there. The, the yeah, boys. yeah, TNT. Yeah, those boys are legit. Right. Was legit, yeah. And I've also seen Dan Lambert of of ATT tweet out uh, a video of his new title belt room. Have you seen this? Yeah, yeah. I saw. He sent it to me first. It, was Man, that I, at the ATT yeah. location or is that his house? No, nah, at his house. He's got all. No, he has one of the most extensive championship belt uh, collections out there. Correct? Yeah, I, th- I think he has he has the largest belt collection. On the planet. There's like a WWE IC title in there. There's like some old AWA title. I mean, there's, there's yeah. some like classic belts in there. Yeah. He has every, every, everything you think of, he has. It's, it's pretty impressive. Cause I thought that like, it'd be like, you know, some, you know, Ricky Dink, Rudy Poo belts. No, he came with it. When he, when he, when he showed, when he brought them belts out, I was, I'm, I was, I was tripping cause I was like, how'd you get your hands on these belts? Who'd you have to talk to? Would you have to buy, would you like who'd you have to pay off to get even close to these belts? Because you have to know somebody that knows somebody <laughs> that knows somebody to get to these belts. That is, that is true. That is true. Good dude, right there. Uh, King Mo, any message to our our fans, our listeners, those who have been day one ish for King Mo back from the light, the Strike Force Light Heavyweight Championship days? What is your message to the people as we walk away this week? Y'all tune in to the fights UFC two thirty. Support my boy Daniel. Support Dirk Lewis as well. Support everybody in that card. Be positive. Hopefully, on Monday or Tuesday, we're we're talking talking some good mess about these fight cards coming up. And and we out. Yes.